0: Hello everyone, Barney here, welcome to Loco Ludus. This episode is about tone in roleplay games. Specifically, the tone you create, or don't create, during the design process. And of course, this is going to be quite a personal account of my experiences with Tone working on League of Eternal Guardians and Alluvial Plains. Now this episode is prompted by a call-in from Spencer of Keep Off the Borderlands. And he is picking up from, or responding to, I should say, some of Jason's comments in the last episode and when Spencer left me these messages I really wanted to just rush out another episode they're so uh, so thought-provoking so interesting but as is the way with life it's not that easy it hasn't been that easy so finally here um, I'm getting round to that so, first of all, I wanted to say, though, that because of life, or the th- what's been happening, the last month or so has been filled with a number of really interesting game-related developments, things, jobs. And so I've been really busy with those And I'm not going to talk about those now or yet Because that's not the focus of the episode And they they need to just land a little bit more In order for me to say anything about them But they are incredibly exciting and inspiring and... Uplifting, incredibly uplifting. So I'm looking forward to sharing uh, the, the, my thoughts and the progress of those projects that are coming up. But anyway, here we are tone in the designing of role play games.
1: King's Kingdom we should land near the entrance of the abandoned drain tunnel. our ship can be well concealed there place hi Barney um, just listening to Jason's messages there and thinking about what he said regarding the tone of the game that we're playing and um, suggesting that the introduction of Archibald's kind of uh portal bag um changes the tone of the game now that bag wasn't in the first session that we run and i think that um well yeah that session was just as much fun as every subsequent session and i don't think the tone is actually there in the rules i mean the the rules are such that it could be played in any manner you could have a deadly serious you know real kind of fear infused um horror game going on there but that also got me thinking about how we play the alluvial plains and the 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 tone that that has um which isn't in the rules um either e- even more so i think um those rules suggest something well there 's certainly no uh, no kind of levity in there um that's not criticism of your writing style. I just mean that um yes the the tone is um not present um it's not reflected in the way that we play it, even more so actually in Call of Cthulhu the way we play that. I think it's very much us as a group, you know, what we're bringing to these games that lends them the tone that they have. We just can't be serious.
0: Okay, so Spencer talks about three games that he and I uh, are involved in together. The Call of Cthulhu games with Andy Goodman Over at Grizzly Peaks Radio and Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks, which are, I'm happy to say, ongoing. And that bleeds into League of Eternal Guardians because that crew just finished a mission, uh, Spencer, with Spencer included. Um, And Spencer talks about alluvial plains, the Stone Age game that he's working on with me and with David Sermon which just in case anyone like Tom Barberley is worried that it's going away it's not going away there's a game on Sunday um, and there are more games and more developments around that so it's it's plate spinning time. As I said, there are lots of little thing, different things going on for me. So Spencer talks about those three games. We've got Cthulhu, League of Eternal Guardians, and we've got Alluvial Plains. And Spencer talks about some some, some perennial aspects of role play games that I think. Sometimes get a bit muddled up And actually I think in my conversations That I've had in the past with Spencer I I think I think in my long Discussion with him On his podcast uh, About Magic in Alluvial Plains I think there's something About that topic back there And it's this We 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 I think we, we complicate things if we confuse player and GM styles with setting tone and system tone. So Spencer does a great job of of pulling those things apart. So we've got system tone. Does the system seem serious? Is 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 there some signifiers or components in the system that make it seem serious? Is the setting itself, the world, is that? serious or humorous and is the way that that setting or those rules are communicated through the writing serious or humorous what's the what is the tone of the written words that communicate a setting or a system, and if that together leads to the publishable or um, disseminated uh, product, if we can call it that, game, then how that is taken on by by gaming groups is a total other thing. And, you know, a, a GM might want to be really serious about something or serious about certain things, serious about certain rules or jovial about certain rules. Um, you know, some things might be more sacrosanct, not non-laughing matters than other things. And that's where the GM might, might have some interaction with players. Of course, players might treat certain things as serious and not like the way that a GM is doing things. And Spencer finishes up, of course, there by talking about how we can't be serious Spencer and I and our other colleagues when we get together and play Call of Cthulhu or League of Eternal Guardians or Alluvial Plains, we just can't be serious. And we have a right old laugh, as can be attested to, perhaps best by... By those episodes that Andy's put out, uh, either as the 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 Old White Dwarf sessions or as the uh, Eldritch Organ games, and just to say, I've got a few more recordings that maybe I will put out, or or with Andy on Grizzly Peaks Radio, let's see with with some more League of Eternal Guardians. So we are always laughing and having a good time. Now that's kind I I just feel we're playing games we want it to be fun. Don't we? Right? However However, that's not to say that we're not taking it seriously. That's not to say that um, elements in the games might be um, might be I don't know emotionally or psychologically charged. it's not it's not frivolity. It's not frivolous. We're not just tipping our lifetime away playing these funny games, something something deep is going on, whether we like it or not, I think. So I think there are multiple levels to this, but what I wanted to come on to in response to Spencer is something very interesting and valuable that David Sermon, a wonderful collaborator gamer and illustrator he is doing the pictures for League of Eternal Guardians as he is for Alluvial Plains and when he started working on images for League of Eternal Guardians he did so by listening to the League of Eternal Guardians actual play on on Andy's podcasts there. So he was listening to that and and drawing inspired, you know, being inspired by what was going on, getting the getting the tone, getting the tone of the game from what was being played. And Dave started sending me these amazing pictures. And maybe some of you have seen them on Facebook or Twitter perhaps, but it's mainly been Facebook. But and more will come, more will start to come as we head who, towards launching it in May. So yeah, that's exciting. That's all very exciting. So, um, Dave started sending me these pictures. And they were amazing. They are amazing. I was blown away by them. But, they, they are quite caricatural. They're quite funny. And I stopped for a moment and was looking at them and I was thinking I wasn't thinking about this game in that kind of a way and Dave has taught me something shown me something which I which I have taken on and accepted and i'm still in the process of fully fully implementing and thinking about and it is that my games are 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 humorous they are darkly humorous and my wife is just coming over to see me by the little pond she's just got back to work so i'll make a little break so what dave has shown me and taught me is to is that i should that it, that i feel it is advisable to align the tone of my games, with with how I approach them, with how I play them, perhaps, perhaps. So I'm never going to say never. And my God, the question of alluvial plains. That's a that's a big that's another one. That's a different, bigger one. Goodness me! But when we are playing these games and having fun and laughing, and playing. leaning into absurdism through play surely surely that that is a part of the tone of the game so So in my mind, I guess, I guess in my mind about League of Eternal Guardians, I was thinking of something quite, you know, serious and austere, perhaps, but with absolutely a humorous underbelly. And then when we play it, it's, it's all out, it's all out mayhem. And these wonderful images which evoke the League of Eternal Guardians, thanks to Dave, they do indicate that. And that that has been a fantastic thing for the game, in my opinion. There's an accuracy or an alignment there, which, which I think I hadn't really, I I hadn't really thought about, hadn't, hadn't occurred to me. And Dave's pictures helped me to see that. Now, of course, this, this all leads back again to Spencer's points about the fact that actually in the rules, however, there isn't, there isn't actually a, a specific tone. Um, and there isn't one in Alluvial Plains. The, the the rules are very straight. And as Spencer says about Call of Cthulhu, we, we, as the players, we we fill that out. We guide, and I include Andy in that, we take the games where we want them to go. And that is frequently in a humorous direction. So this doesn't contradict Spencer's point at all because he, although he's saying that there is no specific tone to the League of Eternal Guardians rules he's also acknowledging that the way we've played it has been as um freewheeling and funny as any other time. So we so the Archibald flashbag isn't necessarily um, the key to to uh, a hu- a humorous setting. Now the th- I do, I do wonder, the reason that I really wanted to make an episode about this is because I do wonder if a little bit, a little bit sometimes, this issue of tone, seriousness and play and humour is a little bit of, a, of an elephant in the room sometimes. We, we, want, we, want, we want our games to have gravitas. ...coherence, authenticity... ...all of these kinds of things... ...we want them to be meaty... ...all of those kinds of... ...substance, we want substance... ...and then... ...when we get to the table... ...it's it's as if... ...it's as if... ...all of that... ...pent up weight... ...is just lifted... ...and it becomes quite light... ...and and joyful I would say and of course you know not 100% not all the time of course of course caveats here caveats there nod to Jason uh but but I do think I do think there's 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 something there and if you if you happen to strongly disagree with, with, with any of this that I'm saying, please do call in and let me know. But because, because I'd love to hear from someone who plays serious games seriously. If there is anyone who does that, please do get in touch. Um, I'd be, I'd be (laughs) very fascinated to, to know you. And if we're talking about, and if we're talking about this multivalence, however, if we're talking about the fact that I think, you know, I'm not saying that games aren't significant or of deep significance, deep value. That is not what I'm saying at all. And I'm not saying that we, uh, we don't get to engage with serious or important matters through games. I'm just saying that we play with fun and flair. Now, I do also have a couple of calls from Jason just responding to the last episode, and they do and they do uh, they do relate they do pick up uh this this debate a little bit about about tone and so I thank
2: Jason. For these, Barney has raised me from my slumber, or at least inebriation, to respond to his latest episode, and I, I do think there's something there. You can't have a game that appeals to everybody. I, I think that's a fallacy, and and surely, you, you you know, if you try to appeal to everybody, you're gonna you, you know irritate some members of the community. You, so you can't win. So you need to pick your audience, and I think Barney's done that well with Vantage, and with League of Eternal Guardians as well. So, so I'm not saying those caveats and the appeals to certain players or experienced GMS is a bad thing. I, I just think it's a thing, and when I'm talking about experienced GMS, I, I am referring more to the idea that you know somebody new to the hobby may be able to pick up the Pathfinder Two Starter Set or you, you know one of these starter sets and run a game. They'd be better equipped to do that than with Vantage. Does that mean you couldn't have a Vantage starter set that would appeal to to new players? Of course it doesn't. Of course Barney could design that, and and that's a possibility. But I think when we get into interpretation games, I think they expect some role-playing experience, right? And and I think Barney's market is going to be people that have role-played before. Although, with his connections, he may also pull in some of the war gamers and board gamers. Although we are still waiting for that Fury Dracula hack, Barney. Just want to mention that. Anyhow, I yeah, I think caveats are fair. Um, so I, I kind of stand by what I said. I, I don't expect a game to appeal to everybody. I don't expect any game to appeal to everybody. And, and I th- I am looking forward to the finished Vantage system. I'm looking forward to the League of Eternal Guardians Kickstarter. And I would love to see your system for the Hammer Horror games that you've been working on. And to pick that back up so talk to you soon so thank you
0: jason for calling in to barney he appreciates your thoughts very much one little anecdote that i've got is my brother-in-law and sis my brother-in-law and sister sister-in-law anyway they got the D starter set and they sent us some pictures of them trying to create characters, tearing their hair out. I've also played with... I, I, and, OK. They were tearing their hair out, and I offered to run Electric Bastion Land for them. Which, you know... Is is a is a totally different proposition and again I think that brings us back to tone the tonal difference, if you like, between dare I say, the high fantasy of D and D and the chaotic humour that I love of Electric Bastion and our uh, are worlds apart and mechanically in terms of complexity also worlds apart there the 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 anecdote that goes with that is that i ran a game of electric bastion land for someone who had before that day never played a role play game before but before Earlier in that day, they had played their first game of D&D, and then they played Electric Bastion Land. And they told me that that experience was completely different, radically different, and that they had a lot more fun, and it was a lot more playable, it was a lot more accessible in the Electric Bastion Land game. So, when Jason tells Barney that a new player could get the Pathfinder starter set uh, and, and sling a game together, I mean, I haven't seen the Pathfinder starter set, but I know for myself... And my good friend Joe Richter, of course, is a massive Pathfinder advocate. So I know there's goodness to be had there. And I know, I know there's goodness to be had in d d too. So I'm not knocking any of that. Um, I just think the amount of stuff I would have to do with Pathfinder would would not lead me to a to a productive game. Whereas I have to say, and you know, I could well be a little bit off here. I I do think there's a streamliness that I've sought to present in the vantage system, which is used in alluvial planes which does make sense now wh- what it is is a little bit different so I think there's an aspect of this which is Jason is talking about when you have a game that, f- that fits into a lot of existing uh, structures, familiar structures. It can, it can be quite straightforward to get into, if a game is a little bit different, has different structures. It could be more complicated. However, however, if those familiar structures are so constructed to be very labyrinthine i'm not sure that they are so straightforward so those two anecdotes that i've just given are people who literally have no prior role-play experience finding d and d incredibly challenging to to just put the parts together to mechanically formulate something and in and in that sense I, I think I think the vantage system is much simpler because that's where that's where I'm that's where I'm coming from now Jason's point is a very good point about interpretation if if we Emphasize imagination and improvisation, interpretation straight off the bat. That might be, that might well be um, challenging, or, or for 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 some for some people. And I guess Jason is getting at if you have a system which is mechanically very heavily mechanically defined and the action accords with that that it, you know, the game might move along at pace or, you know, be readily assimilable, assimilatable perhaps But, you know, I, I'm not sure about that either. I'm not sure about that either because I do like to think that people who haven't played role play games before, or much before, can also um, respond to emergent or random events creatively. I think they can. So, again, this comes back to tone, and I think that particularly comes back to tone in how rules are written or how settings are introduced. The tone of the writing in the published material that the game groups will take up. And and in my mind, there are... Colin Spike Pit Green's recent episodes on his podcast where he's been reading choice passages from various editions of D&D. And I think he's chosen them very well because in a sense... Some of those statements that Colin has read out are, in some ways, quite different to the the prevailing noise around D&D. I would say. Again, if you disagree with me on any of these things, please do get in touch. I'm really interested to hear your thoughts about all of that but the, the the way the way that one writes rules and setting the way that one engages the reader engages the potential future player the future GM and so on these things do matter. And that tone, that tone for me, it's got to be about kind of trying to establish a connection, trying to capture the interest and the imagination of the reader. So that isn't necessarily the same thing as the tone of the setting or even the tone of the rules It's the tone of the writing. I'm going to leave it there for today. Do get in touch if you would like. The email address is locoludus at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at locoludus, oh, loco underscore ludus. Thanks for listening and all the best. Bye.